he loved to just sit and remember anyway. And I think he knew that this way of life wasn't going to last. And I think he wanted to have people know what it was like. I think this is going to be amazing to people to find out that the trails they ride on were the trails my grandfather worked on. From NCPR, welcome to Northwards. People, ideas, and conversations from and about northern New York, Vermont, and beyond. I'm Mitch Tyke. Support for the Northwards podcast comes from the J.C. Steiniger and M.E. McDonald Charitable Fund at Adirondack Foundation in support of the Adirondack Foundation, building stronger Adirondack communities. My son has a high school English project coming up for which he has to interview someone who did something interesting in the past and write a profile of them. He has chosen me, even though I am still trying to dissuade him since I think there are far more interesting people he could write about. But there was the time I announced my presidential campaign when I was 15 years old and the election I was targeting was 28 years away and I was interviewed on the Today Show and... Well, I guess I do have a story to tell. In fact, Leona Cheranowski and her son Peter would say that everyone has something interesting in their past. They are keepers of some remarkable family archives, most of which tell the story of Leona's grandfather. His birth certificate carried the name John Clemens, but many or even most people knew him as Old Lard. Clemens was a logger on the Tug Hill Plateau in the first half of the 20th century, and late in life, he wrote a series of letters about his experiences, spun some yarns, you might say, to a Syracuse radio host who read them on the air over the course of a decade. These days, Leona and Peter, in addition to maintaining the old lard bed and breakfast in Osceola, have hung on to the letters, along with some remarkable artifacts from old lard's life. They first joined us in January of 2021 to share some stories. Welcome. We're glad to be here. Leona, tell us about your grandfather, where he came from, what his life was like in a family of 14. He lived all his life in Osceola. He was born here and and stayed here all his life. He was a good grandfather, great, great grandfather. He was humorous and fun to be around. If you ask him for a pancake at breakfast, he might throw it at you. His life was not easy. But in childhood, he he said he was well-fed and clothed, even in a big family, which was really huge by today's standards. In his work years logging, he was rather gruff, I believe, to the workers under him. He got his nickname from a young man who took umbrage to his outburst. (laughs) (laughs) And and his nickname was? Old Lard. (laughs) Old Lard Clemens. And it was rather heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it did not start out as a term of endearment. No, no, not at all. But he grew to love it. He he did enjoy it. He loved having people calling that. He was gruff as a logger. Was he gruff as a grandfather? He wasn't gruff at all as a grandfather. I think in his younger year, my father did the same thing. They kind of mellowed out as they grew older. And by the time I, I knew him well, he was, he was pretty gentle. Uh, and he was born, was it 1886? Yes. For as rural as the region is now, I can only imagine what it must have been like uh, living in a place like Osceola in 1886. Well, to tell you the truth, by 1900, there were over a thousand people living here. 
I don't think it says that anywhere in his letters, but that was the case. It was really a pretty bustling community because everybody that worked in the woods lived somewhere outside of the woods. He called it the clearings. The clearings. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and the work of loggers in those days, in, in reading his letters, this, this wasn't just about taking down trees to turn them into, into timber. This was, uh, this was also about um, harvesting spruce gum. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it must have started about the time the Peter Clemens family came to Osceola in 1852 from Westernville, New York. And I think it might have started about that time. I'm not, I certainly don't know whether that's what brought them here. I know they were subsistence farmers. I think when they got here, they discovered the spruce gum and it was sold at 50 cents a pound. So that was a lot of money. That was a lot of money in those but, days. As my son will attest to, spruce gum is not easy to pick. And it doesn't add up very fast, at least the spruce gum we have now. So he went out and tried to find some of it. And, and he was successful, but, you know, it's quite a job. Right. What, what does it take to, uh, to, to pick spruce gum? Well, now you can just pick it off the tree. <laughs> but in those days, what, what did they have to do? And you talk about, you know, a pound of it being uh, worth 50 cents. What was that kind of work? What, what had to go into uh, to, to bringing that back? They had a tool, and we have, we have one of them a tool that was put on a pole and run up the trees and it just chipped the chipped the spruce gum off the tree and I don't know, I guess deposited in a bag on the end of the tool. Um, we're not quite sure about how the bag thing worked out, but I've always assumed that it was a canvas bag, but I don't know that for sure. They had to go into the woods and live for a week at a time. And it was a lot of work to do that, and it was always in the winter because that's when the spruce gum forms. Of course, when they brought it home, they dumped it on the table, and guess who cleaned it up? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably not the people who picked it, huh? No, not the people who. Picked it. <laughs> when when did these letters between? Old Lard and Deacon Doubleday begin, and and how did they uh, how did they start happen to start corresponding? Well, the Deacon had a radio studio at I think it was WFBL in Syracuse, and in the studio there were bells. He always rang a cowbell to start out his program in the morning, so he had bells that people sent him from all over, and he had them all over. If you see a picture of the studio, you'll see all the bells hanging around. Well, my grandfather was working in, I think it was probably 1947, up in a place we call Little John Tract. And he had a log camp for the winter. My grandmother was the cook. And they found a bell and he sent it to the deacon and made some remark about if you're interested in swapping Slackjaw, and he said to write to him. So the deacon wrote to him and said he would be glad to get more information about the woods and, and all the characters and all the name calling and all that kind of stuff. So they started that correspondence that went on for almost, I think, 10 years. 
Well, and and in a way, he was becoming kind of a historian. It sounds like he was. It was. It was. It was really remarkable. He had a fourth grade education, and I know that my mother did the typing on the letters, so she probably corrected a lot of stuff. But the stories are his, and she put them down just as he said them. He was rather careful about the language, though, because he knew. He understood it was the radio, and he had to temper down some of the things he might have said. I appreciate your being careful with the language here today. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have any insight into into why he was so interested in telling these stories to to someone who could share them on the radio? Well, he loved he loved to just sit and remember anyway, and I think he knew that this way of life wasn't going to last. And I think he wanted to have people know what it was like. And it was fun for him. It was enjoyable. And in the, in those years, he had a lot of medical problems. While he still kept working until probably 1951, he didn't work like he had when he was younger. And I think it was just a great source of amusement for him. Pete, what does having this record of your great-grandfather's life mean to you and your family? Well... For me, I, I was raised on Tug Hill my whole life, and I, and, I, and I thought I knew a lot about Tug Hill, but uh, reading these letters has, has taught me so much more about Tug Hill that I didn't know. Some of it I knew but didn't know details, and that's what's great about the letters. He really, he really when he gets into a, a subject, he gives you the details. And, and so for me, it's, it's, um, it's not only about where I live, but it's about... My, my heritage, you know, so that's what that's what it is for me. Yeah, it sounds like it's it's really not just keeping him alive, but keeping a whole way of life alive. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Does it surprise you that other people are interested in these letters and these stories about about your family? No, and if if you could see the the scrapbooks themselves, you'd see. Well, of course, this is back in the day. A lot of people would send him letters or. There'd be articles in the paper talking about Tug Hill logging. And um, I think it was an interest even then. But since those days have gone, I think there are people, and especially those that remember that kind of life, would be interested. But their children, um, if you've ever had a, an older person talk to you about the old days, you know, you might be interested in something like this. I think maybe one big thing, of course, is my my family, my extended family. We have a Clemens reunion every year, and it's been going on for 100 years since 1918. So I know all those people are going to be interested in it. And they know about the letters because we always bring them out for the reunion. Um, but now... Tug Hill is a popular place to be. I think this is going to be amazing to people to find out what went on and that the trails they ride on were the trails my grandfather worked on. You know, a lot of the trails are the same same place. And the old Glenfield and Western Railroad that went up on the hill is a big snowmobile trail that's very popular. If you talk to any snowmobiler, they'll know where that is. So I they'll all be interested. Amazing to think about what it would have been like on those trails a hundred years ago. Right, right. No, 
no tractors, no motorized vehicles at all. You know, there was, except that train that finally came up there. And that, that was a big challenge. Now you have the letters and you mentioned the, the tool that uh, your grandfather used to harvest the, the spruce gum. What are some of the other artifacts you have? Want to talk about that, Peter? So along with the, 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 the gum tool, we have some climbing spikes that they strapped onto their legs and climbed the tree to get to the gum. And they're old, they're really old. Uh, the sputter, which was used to peel bark off hemlock um, for use in the tanneries. They used hemlock bark um, to tan hides. Horse, horse harnesses? Yeah, he was, um, he had horse teams and he loved horses. And so all of the, there's a, a lot of pack materials for, for horses, um, for the teams. So we that's always been kept in the barn. Just a lot of, a lot of old tools. We have a ton of old tools. Do, do you feel like you have in your possession the, the John Clemens Museum? For sure. Yes, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. I think at the end of the day, I, I wonder if people also, from watching the two of you talk about Old Lard's life, John's life, uh, they might start thinking a little more closely about their own family and the places that they came from. Well, I think probably nobody thinks theirs is very important. You know, my kids say to me, you should write that down, mom. And I, you know, it, it doesn't compare to my grandfather's stuff at all. But my parents did remarkable things in their lives. And one of the remarkable things they did was to, to save all this and make sure we knew how important it was. So that's that's something that you can do, even if you don't think your information is very important. You can show other people what is important, you know, to you. Absolutely. Well, uh, Leona and Pete Chernosky, I, I hope someday there is someone who does a presentation about your lives as well. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Leona Cheronowski and her son Pete maintain the story and archives of Leona's grandfather, John Old Lard Clemens, an early 20th century logger on the Tug Hill Plateau. Leona also runs the Old Lard Bed and Breakfast in Osceola, New York. Our interview with them first aired in January of 2021. Now, here is Ethan Shanty to tell you all about the amazing people that come together to make this all possible. Northwards is an NCPR podcast production. The show is written, edited, and produced by Mitch Tyke with digital production supervision by me, Ethan Shanty. Caitlin Kelly handles our social media, Bill Hanel is our digital director, and Doyle Dean is our production manager. Music is by the Wickmore Jazz Trio of Plattsburgh. To support this show and find more podcasts, visit ncpr.org. This is NCPR, North Country Public Radio.